a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Question. How do we get young men caught up in the classroom? Girls continue to advance and widen the gender grade gap. This is Boosting Our Boys' Grades. Here's Dave Noriega and Debbie Dejanovic on KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome on into the show. Dave Noriega and Debbie Dejanovic. We're going to do a special on boys' education. Why boys? We like boys better, of course, obviously. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Dad. <laughs> So the reason we're going to focus on boys' education is because a generation ago, 61% of college degrees were earned by men. Now it's a straight flip-flop. Women are earning 61% of all college degrees. So, all right, you got me. I'm in panic mode. What's up? Being a normal boy is a serious liability in today's classroom. You know, we're learning more and more that boys are struggling in school. It's it's an unfortunate fact. Nationally, when compared to girls, boys are falling behind in the classroom. Now, we talked to Diana Sudrath uh, with the Utah Department of Education. I mean, there's no uh, scientific evidence that boys' brains are somehow different, and so they do not read as well. I mean, there's... There's nothing behind that kind of a story. So I think we really need to look at what are we doing in the classroom that engages all of the students in the learning. Thank goodness. We actually have the potential to be smart. This is this is monumental, Debbie. <laughs> this is good for us. Uh, I really thought that was some great insight by by uh, Miss Sudreth. She's you know, I like the part where she says we need to look at what we're doing in the classroom that engages all the students in learning. And here's I think basically how we can measure the difference between boys and girls. In Utah, we have the SAGE uh, testing, and we have the scores that we can look at. It's the state testing system. Girls and boys are about average in um, math and sciences. But girls have an 11% advantage in language arts. Yeah. You know, I I think what we wanted to learn and and hope to to delve into this program is is why the academic drop-off with boys. And uh, Christina Hoff-Summers, in a video produced by uh, PragerU, makes this observation. Compared with girls, boys earn lower grades, they win fewer honors, they're far less likely to go to college. Boys are languishing academically while girls are prospering. In an ever more knowledge-based economy, this is not a recipe for a successful society. We need to start thinking about how we can make our grade school classrooms more boy-friendly. Now, I've talked to teachers and principals and administrators, and really, kind of across the board, they cringe at the word stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I fight, I kind of felt like it was viewed as a, a four-letter word. But that being said, SAGE testing, 
tracks male and female and admits there is a difference, even if we're a little uncomfortable with it. And I buy into the fact that there's a difference uh, just observing my own two children. Let me take my um, my son um, and my daughter, who were two and a half years apart. You put my son in front of a, a coloring book and my daughter in front of the coloring book, Katie's going to stay in the lines <laughs> and produce this beautiful piece of artwork. And CJ, uh, in his younger years, uh, well, I think the, the he would be all outside the lines. And he definitely wanted to be outside playing kickball or soccer, um, probably more so than, than Catherine. She would have uh, preferred to stay in her seat and continue coloring. So one of the questions I have is, what are some of the reasons why boys struggle? What are some of the possibilities? Well, we talked to Dr. Michael Thompson, um, and he cautions teachers not to treat girls' behavior as the gold standard. It's important that teachers not treat boys like defective girls. <laughs> defective girls. I love that line. Isn't that a great line? It's yes. so descriptive. And I, I see that even with my own boys. And if I've – my boys are pretty well behaved. I've got three of them in, in the school system ranging from 7 to 16, and, and they're all well behaved. But 12 years of parent-teacher conference has taught me one thing, that my daughter, she is definitely the gold standard. Of behavior. I mean, she's the one that, as we go into parent-teacher conferences, oh, she's so quiet. She sits there. She studies. She listens. She's such a good child. Yes, she's just such a delight to have in our classroom. What do I get from the boys? Boys tend to be disorganized and restless. Some have even been known to be noisy and hard to manage. Sound like any boy you know? Yep. Sounds, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like somebody I know. I remember looking through my son's backpack and not being able to find anything. It was such a mess. <laughs> Justin Smith is a new teacher, and um, we talked to him um, to, f- to find out what it was like uh, when he first started teaching. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, these girls are all angels, and these boys are, not all of them, but they're just driving me nuts. Like, I would have never had to speak in anything but, but a raised whisper to reach the entire class if they all behaved as the girls did. Yes, they were much more um, organized, much more uh, focused, uh, much more adept at doing traditional academia. Now, are there individuals? Are there exceptions? Certainly. I mean, my my youngest boy is is just an angel. He walks through the halls with his arms literally folded trying to be so quiet in the halls. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's exceptions, obviously. But I, I think it's important, Debbie, to, to say, you know what? Boys and girls are different. Not necessarily better or worse, but they are certainly different. And Dr. Thompson speaks to that issue. He says the way we've set up learning in elementary schools is harder on boys than on girls. Because elementary school is about listening to teachers and sitting. And three-quarters of the boys in the class are more physically active than any girl. And the average girl is better at language in the early going. That's not a huge surprise to me. Boys are, are, are energetic and, and schools are set up to sit and listen. Take notes. Go home. Do your homework. Make sure you turn it in on time. I mean, how many times have you taken homework that was left to your child at school? Or wadded up under the bed. Right. 
I know I did it. It just ended up somewhere. The dog ate it <laughs> many, many times. And, you know, Sudra thinks uh, that some of this difference in behavior could simply be expectations. I think a lot of it actually is a cultural norm where uh, we tend to think or expect girls to settle down and sit and read, and we tend to expect that boys will run around more and not sit and read. And then we reinforce that, in, even in our own children. We know that teachers in the classroom really work on addressing the needs of the individual children. And when they're, when they're working with kids, they're working with kids to bring them all up um, to speed. I don't doubt uh, and this is Diana Sudworth. She's with the Utah Department of Education. I, I don't doubt that our teachers have the best of intentions, that they look at the individual. They try to to make every person uh, an, ex- an individual experience. But as Ms. Sudworth said, working on ways to bring them all up. Girls are already there. How do we bring the boys up to their level? Well, and Dr. Thompson says teachers have to use techniques that are more effective for boys and that don't necessarily negatively impact the girls. When you have a teacher who says everything has to be orderly, everything has to be quiet, and everybody has to be sitting, I know that makes a teacher feel like there's a lot of learning going on. But boys can learn uh, on their feet. So can girls learn on their feet and their activities and more movement and more team building that would be good for both boys and girls. And some of my favorite lessons when I was young was going outside, dividing up into groups, practicing fractions. It's really quality over quantity. And does it take longer? Yes. Is it like herding cats? Absolutely. But those lessons stuck with me. Those are the ones you remember and you take with you. I completely agree with you, Dave. Over the remaining hour, we're going to examine a few things that could improve the learning experience for boys. The lack of diversity in teachers, let's talk about that. In Utah, schools are primarily staffed by females, and it's trending even more in that direction. Let's talk about reading, some ideas of how we can get boys more excited about books and recess, how intense physical activity and competition can lead to an uptick in the classroom. You're listening to a special conference edition with Dave and Eugenovic. Stick around. Noriega and Debbie Dejanovic are Dave and Dejanovic. They launch 9 till noon, June 4th on KSL News Radio. Hey, thanks for joining us, Dave and Dejanovic. Dave Noriega is me along with Debbie Dejanovic. We're doing a special on boys' education. The question we're asking is Are boys struggling in the classroom compared to girls? Is that a worry that we have? And I'm sad to report that the boys are struggling. Dr. Warren Farrell is the co-author of The Boys' Crisis. The PISA tests, which are the international tests that are done all around the world, found that boys in all 63 developed nations were falling considerably behind girls in all academic subjects, but especially in reading and writing, which are the two biggest predictors of success. 
And we know from Utah test scores that girls score 11 percent better in language arts. Dr. Farrell wrote this book with John Gray. You may know John Gray because he was the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Ah. Are From Venus, right? (laughs) And they've spent their careers looking at gender differences, which is not a very popular topic. I found in the many interviews that I conducted for this special that principals, teachers, administrators, they were all hesitant to go there. They were uncomfortable talking about stereotypes and gender. They wanted to focus on the individual student, which I get. But I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by not admitting that boys and girls learn differently, especially in grade school. After all, we, we still track data following male and female. And I think just as parents, Dave, you and I can see it in our own children. We both have uh, boys right. and girls. Yeah. And nationally and in Utah, about 75% of school teachers are women. And in my kids' elementary school, there's only one male teacher. Maybe that's anecdotal, but uh, I, I talked to Diana Sudworth with the Utah Department of Education, and I, I asked her, is that common to have such a propensity of female teachers? And okay. In fact, that it, it is safe to say that education in general is, um, uh, you know, the K-12 is uh, increasingly female um, from year to year. And in- so, yeah, I mean, what you see in the in the elementary schools is much more female than you see in the high schools. But even in the high schools, you'll notice that there's a a tip towards there being more women than men. And Dave, I know you talked to Dr. Farrell about the lack of male teachers and what important roles they can fill. Male teachers are far more likely to to do things with boys, they're far more likely to be playful, they're par- far more likely to sort of um, tease, to roughhouse, to do things um, that, that, are, that are project-oriented, like, um, you know, don't just talk about something, but get up and do, let's, let's do an act from, um, from, the, from a play, or let's make believe you're, you're your father and you're your mother, and, um, and how, what, how would they talk to each other about it? They're more likely to be to take risks in the classroom, and boys like that doing more than just sitting, um, taking notes, and then regurgitating. I think of my boys, and, and when they're playing sports, they have a lot of different kinds of coaches. They have the kind of coach that'll love you, put their arm around you, pat you on the back when you're having a bad day, and then there's other coaches that will look at your face and burn a hole into your soul, right? <laughs> that, there's just these different experiences, and I think when we have such a large amount of our teachers that are female, I mean, really three-quarters of all teachers in Utah and, and really nationally are female, I think we're missing a certain level of that diversity. And Ms. Sudrath would love to see more of that diversity in the teacher workforce, especially here in Utah. You know, I think one of the things that we have to think about, too, is, as you pointed out, the uh, teaching force is primarily female, and women tend to understand girls better than they understand boys. Um, I mean, that's, I'm sure you've noticed that in your own family. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) You you know, so when the teacher is a woman, she might not be able to understand as much where the boy is coming from. Sometimes uh, uh, we have to ask ourselves as educators, is does our curriculum and do our instructional methods really meet the needs of all kids or are we just doing what we were comfortable with when we were learning and so the students that we reach are the students who are most like us and we might be eliminating some of the students who 
are, have different interests or think differently than we did. What's so surprising to me um, about that data is that I remember growing up um, in an elementary school, I had one male teacher the entire time I was in elementary school, Mr. Wright. And he Still was, remember it. I'm pretty sure he was the only man uh, in the classroom teaching. All the others were women. And I thought he was so cool. I loved I loved all of my teachers growing up, but I thought it was so interesting um, as I got older. I looked back and thought I only did I only had one male teacher in elementary school, and yet here we are today, sort of reciting those same statistics. Um, and and I'm 50 years old, so obviously not much has changed. I had some incredible teachers growing up. I, I, to this day, I still have a relationship with my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Schofield. She was an amazing teacher, a great inspiration to me. But I didn't have a male teacher until Mr. Webb in eighth grade. And we taught he taught reading enrichment. And it was one of my all-time, all-time favorite classes. And basically, all he said in the class was, first 15 minutes are going to be read. I don't care what you read. I don't care if it's the sports page. I don't care if it's the Guinness Book of World Records. I don't care what it is. Just read something that you enjoy. And for really the first time in my life, I started to fall in love with reading. Ah, so maybe it was more about reading the sports page than reading that novel. It really was. I mean, I, I, I grew up reading the sports page. And to have a teacher tell me that it was okay. That that's reading. That there's value to that. That was exhilarating for me. Okay, so when we come back, let's take a closer look at the gap in reading and writing and some of the things we get wrong with boys when it comes to books. You're listening to Dave and Dujanovic, a special conference edition. Stick around. Question, how do we get young men caught up in the classroom? Girls continue to advance and widen the gender grade gap. This is Boosting Our Boys' Grades. Here's Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic on KSL News Radio. Hey, thanks for joining us. Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic. Deb, a generation ago, 61% of college degrees were earned by men. Now, women are earning 61% of those college degrees. And in Utah, girls score 11% better than boys in reading and writing proficiency. That, to me, is significant. And as a father of three boys that are in the public school system right now, I wanted to search for some answers on how we can help our boys improve. Well, Christina Hoff Summers, she's an author and a philosopher who produced a video with PragerU, and she gives this tip. Inspire the male imagination. Celebrated writing instructor Ralph Fletcher contends that too many teachers take what is called the confessional poet as the classroom ideal. Personal narratives full of emotions and self-disclosure, these are stories girls commonly write. And these are prized, whereas action stories describing, say, a skateboard competition or a monster devouring a city, these are not. If boys are constantly subject to disapproval for their interests and enthusiasms, they're likely to become disengaged and lag further behind. Our schools need to work with, not against, the kinetic imaginations of boys. Boys will read if given materials that interest them. Eighth grade, Mr. Webb. Eighth grade, Mr. Webb, he was my guy. He taught me to love reading. How? 
because he said, you know what, Dave? Read whatever you want. You want to bring in a Sports Illustrated? Because the first 15 minutes of class, it was a reading enrichment class, said is for your personal reading. I'm like, really? I can bring in like a Sports Illustrated? He's like, yeah. What about like box scores and baseball stats? Books on snakes? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, anything you want. And did that make you more excited about reading maybe a novel? Very much so. And I grew into a voracious reader. But my parents, we were a reading family, but I can remember it wasn't until that teacher that kind of gave me the permission to like what I like that it really blossomed into a lifelong love. Well, Dustin Smith, he's a new teacher, had an incredibly successful experience breaking from the conventional mode. He was like, oh, I don't want to read another like you know classic novel or whatever. And I totally get that. And so I was like, read Dark Knight Returns. And he devoured it. And he was, like, doing all this extensive online research about all the tropes and, like, references. And, and you know, he was, went way above and beyond because all of a sudden he was like, oh, I love this. This is so cool. And I was like, yeah, it's like that is a great novel. This obviously brilliant mind was hindered by the fact that it wasn't engaged in material. And then given the correct material, he did something way above the call and that demonstrated a passion for learning that went beyond the assignment. I love this. A teacher that was trying to prepare kids for the AP test. He was trying to review the classics and and really hone in on on the possible questions that would pop up on the AP AP test. This student had no interest in those. He's like, I don't know. A lot of students don't. Read Batman. Wow. Wow. And the kid falls in love with it. He starts doing all this extra research because it became fun for him. That is huge. Boys tend to like books with action, adventure, comics, nonfiction, Guinness Book of World's Record type of stuff. My son came home recently with a book on snakes, and he was so excited to tell me about it and all these super creepy factoids that keep me up at nights. Then he tells me about how his teacher got mad at him. Which I thought was, I'm like, really? Did she get mad? I doubt she got mad at him. But for this young seven-year-old, he interpreted it as getting mad at him and told him to stop getting those books on snakes. Get a chapter book. Get a tougher book. And Diana Sudreth with the Utah Department of Education, she's been there too. Uh, One thing I remember when my son was in school is the reading list. They tended to be very much focused on things that would interest girls, like um, more about relationships, whereas he wanted to read about action mm-hmm. or history. And, and you, you, know, you can understand why a teacher would do that, because we all process through our own lens. Absolutely. You know, we have to be really purposeful to break out of that and to say, hey, that's a great book about snakes, and I have another book about snakes that you might like, too, that goes into more depth. So you can have more uh, depth of reading without it necessarily being a chapter book that's a story. My son was an excellent reader growing up, but I think that's part due to the fact that we always encouraged him as parents to read whatever he wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then when he went to school, um, yeah, you know what? Sometimes you got to read that book on right. snakes in order to be more interested in those longer chapter books. And it really taught him from a very early age that um, reading is is awesome no matter what you decide to read. Even if it's the newspaper, that's okay. That's still reading. And I think kids, when they get a little older, 
maybe in the junior high and high school that it starts connecting a little bit better. And we even see the numbers prove that out, that by the junior year, boys kind of make up that gap. They they start excelling at a, at a much higher uh, rate. They do better in school. They're still falling behind girls, but they start closing that gap a little bit through maturity, through experience, through through just general... Parental uh, not- encouragement? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Cedric doesn't want to hit the panic button on the 11% disparity between boys and girls in reading and writing, but says, you know, we just need to be aware. Anytime we're looking at scores and we're seeing you know, any kind of a not all kids are getting it, that's a real concern to us. And so that's why uh, one of the things that we're doing in the, at the state board right now is we have a literacy team that's looking, working together, bringing in people from uh, you know, different parts of our operation and then looking forward to uh, expanding that to more stakeholders to say, what, what is it that we need to do in literacy to make sure that all kids can read? And you know, we've had programs out of the legislature like the K-3 reading program that was really focused on all kids reading by third grade. We've been working on it for years and we're still not there. And so we've kind of taken a step back and said, is there something that we should be doing a little bit differently? Or what best practices do we know that there are that we're not actually doing in classrooms so that all kids really can read? And, and to inspire kids to read, you hit on it, Debbie. I think this is a, a massive uh, win is when parents can get involved in their kids' education and really inspire them to become readers. Well, kids who live in a home where there are books are much more likely to be good readers than kids who live in a home that don't have books. Um, so it's that home environment that's really important, but it's also the parents really supporting the students in their academic pursuits. Um, you know, again, you're talking about your son with the snake book. How do you respond to that as a parent? You know, so maybe he didn't get the response that he needed at school, but at home you can say, yeah, let's learn more about about snakes at home and and taking kids to museums and the zoo and to lots of different experiences that all really factors in. And so several of our schools actually have programs for parents to help them um, really understand the best ways to support their students at home. Um, There are uh, math nights in some schools or just different kinds of parenting programs that I really would encourage parents to participate in because our kids are growing up in a really different world than we did. And so helping to introduce them to this world that they're going to have to live in and then hopefully improve, that's a part of our role as parents. And sometimes we need a little help in knowing how to do that. And as a mom of three kids, I made sure that I read to each child every night. And it always seemed like my son really enjoyed this more than my girls because he always picked the biggest book on the bookshelf. But I thought, you know what? If there's one thing I'm going to do right as a parent, it is this. It was quality time and also teaching them to learn to love reading. I don't know how you did it. I was exhausted, but I made it a point to do it. You just have to do it. 
We've hit several important and interesting topics and tips. This next one we're going to talk about may be a little outside of, of the conventional thinking, and it's the importance of recess. Oh, think. kids love recess. They love recess. We'll talk about how important it is for kids and why there are so many wiggles in the classroom. When we come back, you're listening to a special conference edition on education with Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic here on KSL News Radio. It's Dave and Dujanovic. Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic. They join the KSL Talk family beginning June 4th. Listen to them from 9 till noon on KSL News Radio. Hey, thanks for joining us. Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic, we're doing a special on education, specifically boys that are struggling in school academically. Only 39% of college graduates are male. In Utah, girls hold an 11% lead in language arts. What one scholar says is the best academic predictor of future success. We went searching for solutions, and I'm pretty excited about some of the tips and ideas that we've uncovered, Debbie. Well, one uh, tip for teachers um, that we've heard is to show more patience for the rambunctious nature of boys. Don't, don't, don't yell at them all the time. Sit down. Keep your yapper shut. As we heard earlier in our special, don't treat them as defective girls because they're naturally more energetic and more impatient when it comes to sitting in their seats and working quietly. Um, another tip was uh, how to inspire boys to read yes. by giving them a wide variety of choices, even if it's the sports page. That's okay. <laughs> Another was the need for teacher diversity, specifically male diversity in our female-dominated workforce in the classroom. And finally, bring back recess. Believe it or not, recess may soon be a thing of the past. According to research summarized by the Science Daily, since the 1970s, school children have lost close to 50% of their unstructured outdoor playtime. Dr. Michael Thompson is a psychologist and, and a co-author of Raising Cain, and he worries that this scaled-back recess was really an unintended consequence of no child left behind. When you put pressure on teachers to get higher scores and get higher scores earlier, the teachers are going to think, we got to get their butts in the seats and prepare for the test. Boys are recess-deprived, and they're wanting to move, and everybody's saying they're a problem. And boys, well, they are in part to blame for that excess of energy, says Dr. Thompson. The biggest change in American childhood, and it's hit boys very hard, is the loss of free, undirected neighborhood play. Boys need to know there's a, there's a time they can play. We're, our boys are getting more obese. They're fixated on video games, which parents hate. But the alternative is something that nobody noticed that it died, but it's biking to school, walking to school, and, and playing in the neighborhood. And that's deprived boys of one to two hours of runaround time a day. So are schools expected to make up for that lack of exercise boys aren't getting after school? Well, per- perhaps not, but that doesn't fix the problem either. Energetic boys still won't be getting the exercise they need. They won't be burning off all this energy. Now, is it partly their fault or part of the partly the fault of the parents because they allow them to sit inside, play video games? Of course. 
but it still does not help the school any. It doesn't help the teachers have boys that that aren't so fidgety. And maybe an extra hour of PE or recess will calm them down enough to absorb the lessons. Again, quality over quantity. We do have a lot of research that shows the importance of physical activity. I mean, we know that as adults, and it's funny that sometimes we don't think about how important that is for children as well. Um, The physical activity brings blood to the brain, and that's what we need to have happen for students to learn. That was Diana Sudrith with the Utah Department of Education. I remember in my son's elementary school years, there was no PE teacher, and I volunteered to be the PE teacher. And I went over to the school once a week for about 45 minutes to teach PE. I didn't think that was enough time for all of the kids, let alone the boys. And they loved it, didn't they? They loved it. But they needed more of that. Yeah. When I was in school, I think we went to PE almost every day. Yeah. How about you? I remember my PE teacher, Mr. James, uh, I mean, we didn't actually break out, but I remember he was uh, a sixth grade teacher that that had uh, a degree in physical education, and I always thought that was so cool. And the games he invented and and had his class play, I was always so jealous. I'm like, I wish I was in Mr. James's class. (laughs) I think we've learned so much in this special, and I hope, we hope you have too. Thanks so much for joining us on this special conference edition of Dave and Dujanovic. 